Welcome to Women Waken, a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in relationships, childhood, and conditioning to shift from a place of codependency to a state of divine, feminine love, acceptance, harmony, and abundance. On Women Waken, we begin the journey to waken from the illusion of needing to prove our worth into the divine experience of knowing our worth. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in addiction, substance abuse, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I'm also a fellow human being who has faced most of the issues that I speak about on this show. On this guest episode, I welcome the inspiring Ryan Lassane. Ryan is a master, your mindset coach and the owner of Inspire Brand Consulting. Ryan shares in this episode about how she helps high-achieving black women to advance their professional dreams, how to overcome and heal from self-limiting mindset and imposter syndrome. On this episode, we talk about perfectionism, distractionism, establishing the three C's, which are some of Ryan's concepts, And she answers a lot of questions and inquiries about how can we release our doubts to really step in and own our worth and our power. So take a listen and enjoy. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hi, Whitney. Super excited to be with you and your listening audience. Very honored. Thank you so much. Honored to have you on the show, Ryan. It is such a privilege to talk to you and hear about the amazing work that you're doing. Ryan, you and I had the most incredible call a few months ago when we first connected and did an introduction call. And you're just so inspiring and so wonderful in your work of really allowing people to be able to experience themselves in a joyful, loving way in releasing the deficit mindset, releasing the lack mindset, releasing the I'm not enough that can't be me. I can't do these things. You're helping people kind of snap out of it and say, listen, who are you not to do those things? Absolutely. Thank you. And that was such a fun, filled, passionate, meaningful, purposeful conversation. I do remember it. We were very connected around that same exact mission is really supporting people in really recognizing the truth of who they are um, and I, I love acronyms. <clears throat> and so I oftentimes do oftentimes in my coaching, I talk about, you know, I use acronyms. And so I talk about fear, false evidence appearing real, right? And it does, it appears so real. And we talk about real and we talk about the science of fear, right? The, like the science behind it, 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 it appears so real because there is a psychosomatic, there is a mind body experience with fear, with all emotions and with the fear inducing emotions. It's a very real experience. The mind, the the body cannot distinguish between imagined fear and what we would call real fear. Um, They're perceived exactly as the same by the nervous system. And so when we talk about this mission of supporting people with their truth, the acronym, the, the reality you truly have, right? The reality oh, you truly have, I love it. <laughs> the truth of it, 
And, you know, it's, it's the truth of who you are. It's the truth. And, and that truth one, it can, we can be totally blinded to it. Didn't even know, like, oh my God, I had no idea that I'm good at that thing or that that thing is my brilliance or that thing is, you know, my passion. We can be blinded to our truths. They can be unnurtured. Um, they can be denied by us. They can be suppressed by us. And yet they are the truth of who we are. And so what my job is, is to help people take the blinders off. Um, and I have an eight step, really nine step process. And, you know, we're going to talk about the first three foundational steps of that process, but there is a way, there are ways, not a way. Let me be very clear. There are ways, many, many, many ways to really help yourself. Um, it's easier with guidance. It's, you know, it is really helpful to have a guide. And if you are, um, if mindsets like imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and what I call distractionism, which is unmanaged ADHD, if those are mindsets that you either resonate with or are curious about, or even maybe offended by, if those are things that, you know, register for you, guidance and a process are really, really helpful. And there are things, they are things, guidance and a process. They are things that we tend, we, I'm included in this because I'm a recovering imposter, perfectionist and distractionist. We tend to hide from those helps you know, we help areas, people, we just, because that's part of the mindset. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's the work I do. I'm very passionate about it. And there, there are scientific ways to reroute our belief systems and our nervous systems. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. And when you say that our belief system, it's, it comes back to what you were saying earlier, that what we believe is so when you're saying that our version of reality can feel like truth because it's there you can't distinguish how do you distinguish between what's actual reality and your reality it becomes if you believe it so it shall be and that is when as you were saying it's helpful to have coaching and guidance to step in to walk with someone until they can walk on their own with that ability to discern between this is what i'm making up and this is what's actually true and possible, but also you kind of help people see that if you're making up your own reality, you might as well make it one where you are in your power. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? When it comes down to it, it's like actually all make-believe. I mean, and yet it's shadow and, and yet it's shadow and light and yet it's still all make-believe because it's like, I get to choose whether I'm going to believe my shadow or whether I'm going to believe my light. Ultimately, it's still my choice, which comes down to belief. Um, and yet one is a very different experience than the other, you know, but it, they are all beliefs. And, and because it's one person who is housing my goodness. I mean, I'm 43 years old. How many beliefs do I have? Maybe a million for every year. I don't know, but how many, you know, there's a, a, a ton of beliefs within a person. And a lot of those beliefs are conflicting beliefs. I believe that I believe that I'm, you know, really passionate about X, Y, Z, but I also really don't believe that I'm worthy of good in my life. So I have 
That's called suffering. When two beliefs are going in two different directions, I believe I want this thing. And yet I, I really can't self-actualize it. I can't take steps towards it. I can't make goals around it. I can't seem to sustain, you know, the momentum towards it because there's also a counter belief that says you don't deserve it. You don't really know what's going on. You're an imposter. You got to wait until you're perfect to take action on it. So yes, it is coming to terms with like what's happening on the inside of someone's thought process to um, begin to parse out what is true and what isn't true, even though it's all wrapped up in, we get to choose. That's the kind of the whole point. We do get to choose. And with a guide, um, well, let me say internally for me and for anybody else, internally, that conversation is really wonky because it's a ping pong match. I can, I can't, I, I should, I shouldn't. And it, tends to be a spiral downward if we're talking about a person who has a mindset habit of imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and distractionism. To bring it back to that, if someone is um, if someone is steeped in self-love, if someone is steeped in being their own best friend and that's their habit, then we're really we we love you so much we're not talking necessarily to you or we're affirming what you're doing. We're affirming it. We're saying, yes, keep doing that thing. We are really speaking to the people who are like, you know, imposter syndrome, perfectionism and distraction, they might be plaguing me. So a guide might be really, really helpful. A process may be really helpful. Getting to know yourself in those shadows can be really helpful. And that's the work that you do as a master your mindset coach through your business, Inspire Brand Consulting. So I, I love that you've brought your passion and vision into your life's work, Ryan. That's remarkable. And, you know, it seems that you draw in and that you probably work with people who have done, I would say, the most important step. Because as you were just speaking, Ryan, I thought about the fact that it's hard when we first come to realize, oh my gosh, I'm the biggest barrier to the life that I want. It's a victory. And that what I was going to say is that that's the biggest step you take. Majority of people, I would say in this world, don't take that step. They walk around almost in a day is not aware that they're holding themselves back. They think that it's life circumstances, that it's the condition of things, that it's not their beliefs that govern their reality. It's just what is right. I have no control over this. And they don't ever get past that first bridge of, wait a minute, maybe I have some ability here to change things. And someone like you is so needed when somebody makes that realization and says, okay, I realize now it's me that's hanging on so tightly to these beliefs that I am not worthy, that I'm an imposter, that I can't have the things that I desire, that I believe I'm meant for. And you can help them and say, actually, you're, you can break free from that thinking and jump into an entire different way, entire different mindset, right? Absolutely. And Whitney, I cannot say enough about that point in life of self-awareness because, uh, well, a couple of things. One, I also agree with you that um, it's a pivotal point when a person begins to recognize I am responsible for my life. That does not necessarily mean I have been responsible for everything that's happened to me. It is to say that I am responsible for how I respond to life, how I respond to myself, 
how I respond to other people. I take ownership for the fact that my beliefs create my reality. That is a whole different way of living blind to one's power. That's absolutely, I would say, step number one is that self-awareness of, wow, I believe what I believe, (laughs) what I believe, and what I believe matters. Oh my gosh. And I believe a whole host of good things. And I believe a whole host of like really crappy things about myself, about other people. Like that's a lot to sit with, you know, that is a foundational step and kudos to all of us for getting, who are able to sit with the inner work to get there because that's, that is monumental. And what does one begin to do with that data? I believe I'm not worthy. Wow, what do I do with that? How do I shift that? And how do I, now that I'm aware of that, how do I heal that part of me? Because that wound really hurts. And my awareness of what I used to be blinded to, actually, that hurts too. Now that I'm aware of it, you know, I'm like, that can be a real sticking point for people. So if that resonates, you know, with a with a listener. That's also a really great time to reach out for support because there is so much to do with that energy, so much to do with that awareness, meaning there's so much that can be done and capitalized on that moment. Because that means, uh, one, that really means to me that that belief is ready to be exercised like out of that person because it has come to their awareness to be like wisdom to be like done with something. So it's really then about, okay, changing that belief and, you know, sitting, sitting with it, making room for it and shifting with intention out of it. That doesn't mean denying it. It does mean working with it to essentially believe oneself out of that belief. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And it's possible, right? It is absolutely possible to create an entirely different mindset and experience of life when you just recognize it was a choice. It didn't feel like a choice at the time, but it was a choice to develop this mindset and it's a choice to perpetuate it every day. So with just a little gentle guidance and effort, you can shift into that new mindset, new reality. So Ryan, my question to you is how do so many of us even, how do we get to this point? Why? Are we so much in fear and self-doubt and overwhelm, especially those high achievers who we have great drive, we're very focused, we're very tenacious, but then why do we have this sense of not being good enough, overwhelm, doubt? It's a really important question. Whitney, I think it's a really big question. And I think I want to start very macro by saying, I think it honestly depends on what type of either coach, therapist, healer you're talking to at the time. Meaning there's so many different aspects to what you're saying. Does someone have neurodivergence? Like, is there something about their nervous system, meaning ADHD or autism or any of the other neurodivergent aspects of of someone of the spectrum, of the multiple spectrums that is causing someone to... um, have neurological um, 
in many cases, and I call this for myself, weaknesses that if developed and strengthened would create a new sense of self. Did it, did it start there? Did it start from um, a person having neurodivergence and growing up in a community where that was not either explored or understood? And so there was stories, narratives, beliefs, self-identities that came on. Like I have to be, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm striving for, for perfect. I'm very smart, but I can't seem to like, things are very glitchy for me. And so there's narratives that come out of that. I like, I'm a very smart person, but I can't seem to be organized or I'm very time blind and you're five, six, and seven, and you're going through life. And there's stories told like, you're so smart, but you're not reaching your potential or you have to be perfect in order to show up. So that could be, you know, a root cause of some something. It could be that someone grows up in a home um, where there's no neurodivergent issues um, and yet they are like the pressure is incredibly high or there's a lack of support or there's trauma in their home. There's all kinds of reasons why somebody as an adult essentially is walking around um, with this sort of zipped up feeling of I have to show up perfectly or I'm, or I'm a fraud in my actual life or um, I'm so distracted by the world or my nervous system that I can't seem to wrap my brain around things, but I'm so smart. It's like, there's so many reasons or <laughs> how did we get here? Um, and we wake up kind of, you know, I'm again, 43 and I, I see this in my own life. And I see this in my clients where we have enough data where it's like, I'm a smart person, but something's happening. Like either I'm talking to myself in this way um, where I'm incredibly overly critical. I can't get past that. Or I'm so disorganized that it doesn't seem to match how smart I am or how successful I've been. But there's like these disconnects that we begin to really see between who we either present or know that we could be and who we internalize ourselves to being. So how do we get here? It's all different kinds of ways. Essentially it's belief. It's, you know, how, how do we, how did a belief system get embedded within someone, which often most of the time comes from our childhood, which is why I go back to that um, and, and how we begin to self-identify. Absolutely. And that does start so young, because it is, they say that it's even the first three years of life that we create the strongest sense of ourselves, beliefs around ourselves, beliefs about life, because we literally are just this susceptible being, right? I mean, it already started in utero. I believe we're being influenced by the energy of our mother from the womb. Then we come out and we want to be able to trust life and enjoy it, but it's pretty scary to begin with because suddenly we're out in the world exposed and just hope that we're taken care of. But a lot of us don't get our needs met. And a lot of our resulting negative false beliefs about ourselves is due to realistic circumstances that occurred that had nothing to do with us, right? If we had a parent that was not capable of taking care of us, it doesn't mean that our tiny little perfect baby self was bad in any way, but that's the concept that we develop very young, which is I am not 
lovable. I'm not worthy. I'm not, you know, deserving of these things that I didn't get. It's what you're saying is exactly spot on. And just to like give a little color to that, you so I'm a mom, I have a, a five-year-old and last night we were doing bedtime and I consider myself a gentle parent. I am by far not perfect. That is the approach that I'm aspiring towards. So you were in bed and it is literally 11 o'clock at night. It's summer. So she's getting maybe a little bit later, but we're like 8.30 bedtime people. And so- Finally, at some point, I have to tell my daughter, mommy is getting out of bed. I'm sitting on the chair, but I'm getting out of bed. Well, this really hurt her feelings. It was like, you know, she cried. I let her be for about maybe 60 seconds or so in her feelings. And I came back over and I tried to explain again, what I'm trying to do is establish a boundary. It is bedtime. You cannot be playing, you know, I'm also trying to set the boundary for myself, so trying try to be a parent. And what she says is, I felt so alone. Woo, makes my heart hurt. I felt so alone. And that was a very real experience for her. I felt so alone. And I say that to say that at that moment, my daughter is creating a self-perception of herself, of her relationship with me, of her relationship with bedtime, her relationship with other people in that exact moment. It's all the triggers. It was sadness. It was alone. She's making a story. I don't know what that story is, but it's a story. So I try to help her unpack that it is just a, it is not to belittle the, it is a feeling you've had a 20 million feelings today. You are not alone. Mommy was over here again, not trying to like belittle her feelings in any capacity, really trying to contextualize. This is a feeling. The point to the audience is all of us have been five. We all have had hundreds of thousands of benign, let alone intentionally cruel experiences throughout our lives. And they matter. They create our self-perception. And so we have to, if we want to evolve, my take is to begin to disconnect between because this either happened to me or because I might feel this way or because I might believe this thing. Is that true. And that's the thing I was trying to really get my daughter to say, is it true that you're alone? Because your feeling is making that true for you right now. And that's the story that you're going to create. But is it true with a capital T? Mommy was still here. You're still loved. You're still worthy. And that's what we, ultimately, that's one of the things a, a client told me over the years that she's stuck with is I asked this major question, is it true with a capital T? T, your feeling, the, the fear that you're feeling, is it true with a capital T? Like, can you, are you really not worthy? Can you really not do this? Are you really more afraid? Is it really true, true, true? And when you sit with that, generally, it's not true, true, true. You know, we are far more capable. Absolutely. So many beautiful things in that, Ryan. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because I think it's important for people to hear, because here's the thing, we talk a lot about childhood trauma and about inner child work being the result of early childhood life. However, it is not parents' fault in the terms that parenting is the hardest thing that anybody will ever do. And nobody can do it perfectly. But also, just as you described, you can't control someone else's experience. 
That's true for a child. And that's true for us every day of our life. We walk around hoping that we don't make somebody upset or do this or that. But at a certain point, you can't, you're not responsible for someone else's response. If you, let's say you bring up a con, a topic of conversation and it triggers somebody, you, if they bring it to your awareness, you can choose to make a different choice. But if you don't know ahead of time, you have no control. Same with parents. All we can do is our best, especially for aware parents, right? Sadly, there are some that just don't make an effort or have no awareness. That's where the real damage can be done. However, someone like you is a part of the turning of the tides, which is those of us who are starting to think, is it possible in future generations to have less of that inner child work to do because we didn't become so traumatized in our childhoods? And it's going to take time. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a, a big shifting in a lot of the ways that we conduct ourselves, do things, the messaging that we encourage and share from the time that our child is young. And it takes more and more people doing the work so that when they have kids, they have the awareness that you have to notice when a child is having a significant response. And you can ask, you can allow for them to be seen and heard. Because again, to my point before, that is all that is in our control. If your child is having an experience, they get bullied at school, they fall off the playground. You can't keep them from those experiences. You can't fix it for them, but you can see them and hear them. That's it. And you saw your child and you heard your child. And that the power of that is divine. That is, they feel secure and safe. They feel held in a presence of love when you see and hear someone. And that is what I believe. The more that we incorporate that in raising children, the less they're going to get these gnarly, nasty core beliefs that stick with us right down deep in our gut for the rest of our lives. I certainly have them and they're brutal and it takes so much time to release them because once you've reached my age, maybe 37, you've lived with that. You've lived with that as your capital T truth. You thought it was the truth. And by the time you're ready to ask, is that capital T truth? It's a, it's a big old pile of you know what that you got to get out of the way. And I also appreciate you mentioning that concept of the capital T truth, because I always encourage my clients, they'll make a statement and they'll say, well, my, my boyfriend just doesn't really love me. And I'll say, is that true? Do you know that that's true? And they'll say, well, I, I don't know that it's true, but it feels true. Well, those two things are different. Absolutely. I mean, 100. I'm like, yes, with you. Yes. I mean, every everything from um the parenting aspect to the the self-concept, you know, how, what what we end up with as adults as a self-concept and the ability really to change that by asking these um thought-provoking questions of is it true? Is the feeling true? Like is that true that this person doesn't love me or is, are there other truths that perhaps I'm seeking validation and I'm not getting that. And that feels like love to me. And that's part of my love definition. And I've got to really sit with my belief about what is love because right now it's not very clear. Right. I mean, whoa, work. <laughs> that's serious inner work to, 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 to sit with. All of us, because our parents were human and the, and everyone else in our community were and are human, we are missing those inner tools. And it's just becoming now like commonplace to even be talking about wellness. I have an assistant who's 
you know, 22 and she and her friends are talking about mental wellness in a way that my girlfriend's like, we were, we are like very close and very transparent, but these ladies, uh, people have vocabulary and context and distinction for like what, what all of it is and means. And it's so necessary because at the end of the day, what we as adults really can do, and I think where the, I don't want to see necessarily where the healing happens. However, when a deep level of healing is so possible, when we do that inner child work specifically, because what we're doing is we are reparenting the subconscious mind, which is 95% of who and what we are, where all of that memory and data is stored, we are literally going into the depths of who we are and we are providing love and all, all that you just said, like love and the belonging and the um, safety, we can provide that literally for those, I don't even want to say past selves because in the now the now of you is processing as a three, four, five, 20, you know, however old you are, every moment up until right now, every version of you is processing every moment of your life. And we all have, you know, significant trauma wounds and trauma is something that is real to a specific person. It's something that overstimulates your nervous system. It does not have to be, you know, defined by anything or anyone else. And so we all have those. And yes, we can, we absolutely can, can re reprogram the nervous system through that reparenting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It's very, it is malleable. It is able to heal and change. And I love that you spoke to that idea that we have to ask ourselves, or if we're lucky enough, we can have a coach who will ask us, is that statement, my boyfriend doesn't love me, is that truth or is it based on your version of what love is? That's such a profound question because I think that most of us don't really understand love because we have had such a morphed idea of it because of our own. I think for a lot of people, love means needing that wound, healing that wound. Well, I need validation. Well, I need constant confirmation of love. Well, I need express love. I need this, 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 and that's what love is. And we don't see that just because someone isn't providing our specific need doesn't mean that it's not love that they're offering, that they don't love us in their own way. I mean, of course there's situations where you're just in a bad relationship and you're not getting your needs met and they're not offering love. They might even be withholding playing games, but I know that there are a lot of people that can be in a loving relationship and still say it's, it's not enough. It's not being given to me how I expect it. Therefore I'm making the statement that they don't love me because they didn't do X, Y, or Z. And that can keep somebody in this state of believing that they're just not worthy, right? That they are not able to get over their self-doubt and really to love themselves because, well, I'm not getting what I need. And that can be detrimental to our, we, we really have to snap out of that understanding. And I don't love that term because it's, people have said that to me in my life. You just need to get over it, snap out of it. And it's deeply rooted, right? That's like telling somebody 
who, you know, has poison oak all over their body that they should just ignore it and get over it, even though it's going to take months to heal. It is a wound that we are dealing with. Wounds take time to heal. And if you do not tend to them and treat them, then they are as bad as the day that they started, right? If you have a big gash in your arm and it gets infected, you're not just going to snap out. It's not just going to go away, right? It's you, the healing has to start first. You have to begin to tend to it, to treat it. Then it can heal. Otherwise, so many of us are walking around with these giant gashes, these big old wounds, emotional wounds, and people tell us to get snap out of it. So I'm not saying that it's more sort of, sort of the idea of waking up to the idea of I'm in control here. I'm the only one that can begin to tend to this wound because that's the other thing, Ryan, that's kind of connected to this big T truth. I think a lot of us have come to believe that other people can heal our wounds. Only forces outside of ourselves can heal us. And therefore we're at the whim of whether or not this person that we want to give our love to loves us back enough that this opportunity we want to pursue returns to us the success that we have a very specific idea about. Then we're relying on outside things to heal that wound, but nothing can heal an internal wound except for ourselves. It would be like pouring water over a, like a closed box. Like it's not going to get in there. It's you have to be, let it be received inside. It's an inside job to heal because you can get all the love in the world, but if you don't actually absorb it, if you don't actually take it in, it doesn't mean anything. So we have to do it for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that distinction between, you know, like feeling through the idea of snapping out of it or like waking up to it and just like, but like, but parsing that out, right? Because what I, what I hear is like a quantum leap, right? There's like, there's the moment when the dam breaks, but it took a lot of pressure. It took a whole process for that dam to break, you know, or for that snap to happen or for that realization. It was like, it took a whole process. And I think, I think we absolutely, you know, one abdicate that to other people. We don't recognize our own power in healing ourselves. We don't know necessarily where to go, that there's guides that can literally help that healing process. And, and I think we have this idea that it's going to snap. Like I should, I should know, I should be able to like snap my fingers, be a whole different person and like, you know, wake up differently at versus this is a process and any, any semblance of progress is process. And even semblance of like backsliding, notice that I backslid is progress because before I was, it was just status quo. And now I have, you know, a new ceiling and a new basement. And even if I'm toggling between that's some kind of progress. And so it's like recognizing that it's, it is, as you said, it is absolutely a process that ultimately feels like a wake up or a snapping because it's like, well, there, there's the result. Oh yeah. Through, through the process. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about that realization and that process of that re- recognizing that you're in control is you begin to experience the most joyful feeling in the world, which is freedom. You begin to feel those shackles that are so heavy of fear and self-doubt and overwhelm that you're not enough and it's never going to happen for you. When those lift and you actually realize that anything is possible when you believe, 
in your true essence, because my belief is that you are a part of the divine, the greater whole. And that that means you have infinite uh, access to all the power of the universe, which sounds like an extreme Mm -hmm. thing, but it's just true. And we're getting closer to recognizing that as human beings, we're a part of the evolution that's happening. So again, just like a wound healing, it's, we're at just the right timing to get there. But with with every little step with people like you and with I having these conversations, doing this work, more and more people are recognizing, maybe I don't have to live this way. Maybe I can really, I know once I remove these shackles, I feel this power. I feel this freedom. What is this? Well, it's human potential is what it is. (laughs) And it's a gigantic force. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I want to, um, it makes me think like sometimes along my journey, right. I, I, and I, for the last, I don't know, it seems like the secret was the first time that it was like in my face of like, Oh, manifesting even the words. Right. So this was, you know, and at that point, literally I was about, I don't know, 25 years old, maybe when that movie came out. And this definitely isn't about the movie. I was just trying to backtrack like how long it's been to even think about intentionally using the power of my mind to create my reality. So it's been like at least half of my life at this point. And it's, it's definitely something that is, I'm coming into awareness of my own power through the last decade, even like up until now. And along the way, it has felt like... I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Like what's, you know, what's happening? And one of the things I think that I've come to like have as a little nugget of insight is to really assess the like, it's not happening and really take take stock. Like, is it actually happening? And you're just, you self are, are like not attuned to, again, measuring the success or are you waiting for quote unquote perfect or are you noticing the manifestation as it comes along are you noticing it coming into your life are you noticing like the google search of oh my gosh i just had this inspired idea and i'm google searching and here's the exact product that's called manifestation <laughs> that's called ding 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 omen you know that's called like you're leading in the path. No, it's not your dream business or your career, whatever, maybe, but it's the resume support or it's the idea or it's the networking. But like every step towards the vision is part of the manifestation. And so to, to kind of like tap into the, the you know, giving ourselves grace a little bit within the manifestation process, like it's happening into a court for that. Cause I know I can, I can be very hard on myself about like, it's not happening. Um, and so to, as you were saying that I was like, you know, because it, it's such sage wisdom. And as, as you were saying, I was like, yeah. And then there's that little micro thing and that little micro thing. And am I counting those things? You know? And so to say that out loud, like guys, we got to count our counter little micro manifestations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I've even heard before I do tarot and such and Mm -hmm. meditation readings. And so a lot of things I've heard before is that you need to understand that we also live in a metaphysical world. So when we're looking for physical results, we have to understand that sometimes the, the stage is being set 
almost in a metaphysical way. Things are just like when a wound heals, we don't always see everything that's happening, but things at a cellular microscopic level need to occur. So when we're like, hello, when do I get that big old house? When do I get my dream life? It's like, well, is a house built in a second? No, first you have to get the ground ready. Then you have to get the foundation. Humans have become, or actually always have been very impatient creatures that are like, no, 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 I want it yesterday. And especially now in the days of technology, which is worrisome, that's, I worry about it counteracting our progress a bit because it teaches us to have instant gratification, instant information at our fingertips. And that's a blessing and a challenge at the same time. But that aside, yes, it's true that it's so important to have grace with ourselves and say, I, at a certain point, it just becomes a belief, right? If I'm aligned with my vision, with my belief in myself and in my faith and trust in life, then I trust that even if I can't see it, that's a phrase I heard recently, you may not see it, but your dreams are already starting to manifest. Trust that it's that foundational piece that's occurring and know that you don't have to do anything. Cause I think that's also Ryan, something I imagine you see with high achieving women is where's my result today. What am if I'm not seeing any progress? I need to push harder, harder. That's not always the answer. It's so true. Except and there, and there's that toggle between like inspired action and I have to, and I, and I have to have an outcome at this moment. And it's really becoming almost hyper aware of, of where one is at any given time, because as a high achiever, we're always looking at, well, what are we achieving? You know, what, what is the manifestation? What is the, is it coming in? Is it coming to pass? And we're excited about, or we can also be very intimidated by the vision, but there's a draw to the vision of whatever the vision happens to be for one's life. And yet there, there's this toggle. It's like this, well, one, I also want to say I really loved that quote, right? Dreaming it into believing. And that, and that's, and that's, that's the hack. That's, that's like, that's the middle ground. That is the decision of in every single moment, life's happening all the time, right? Like, so every single thing is an opportunity for a trigger. And so let's say, for instance, the person has a goal of, um, I've applied for a job and I am really excited about it. Great, fine. So they find themselves having a good amount of anxiety sort of just as they're opening their email. It's everyday real life, right? Email's benign. It's not out to attack them, but they're afraid. They find themselves nervous to open the email. So they don't. They avoid it, right? And they avoid it actually for two days because it's a Thursday and a Friday. And then now it's a weekend and they convince themselves of the weekend that doesn't really matter. So now it's Monday. However, on Thursday, close of business, there was an email that said, we're really excited to have you into the next interview round tomorrow. Sorry, it's last minute. Can you let us know? And so now they're opening the email on Monday and they're like panicking, right? They're totally panicking. And so they're like literally kicking themselves, shaming themselves, cursing themselves out, totally hearts racing. All the things are happening. Now let's dial back to Wednesday, when this person was having a real anxiety because of fear of checking email, what's in there? What's going to happen? Is it bears, lions, and tigers? I don't know. Now, remember, it might sound trite. It might sound trivial, but this is very real to the nervous system because honest to God, the nervous system really does not know. Is it lions, bears, and tigers behind the screen? 
it's very, it's very aware and very afraid of this thing. So at that moment, if that person said to themselves, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's use our tools. Our tools are one to stop and to breathe. So we're going to check in. We're going to start breathing because we're having anxiety. That's what that's called. This is anxiety. We don't have to have this. That means that we're like on the treadmill to nowhere. So we're going to start breathing. And the fact is, is that I'm excited about this job. I can at least be kind to myself in this moment to not scare myself about what's inside this email. I'm strong enough to handle anything that comes my way. I'll take things in stride. It's going to be fine. I can move forward. They check their email and they have a completely different Monday than they did in the first scenario. That's why this stuff matters because uh, one, one was able to catch themselves and the other one wasn't, you know, same person with a different set of tools. And so it comes down to at that moment, the person either believed you know, I, I can move forward or I can't. And oftentimes we can't move forward because we don't have the tools and we can get them. And all the time we're not moving forward because we don't believe we can and we can override that. And so it's about trying to, you know, really teach ourselves to have that inner dialogue that's more encouraging than criticizing. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. It's so amazing how circumstances change based on our perspective in our mind based on where we are. And that's why that shift is so important. But as we spoke of earlier, more importantly, even knowing that that shift can happen is the conception point of all change. Ryan, would you mind sharing just a little bit with the audience as much as you'd like about your personal turning point when you realized that you could shift? And if you'd like to share a bit of your experience with the sort of lack, fear, self-doubt mindset of the high achiever that shifted in to this coming into awareness that actually I can move into a place of feeling confident and feeling love, compassion, kindness, trust, confidence in myself. Yeah, absolutely. So one, I'll start with um, the fact that I will say um, as human beings, we're growing beings. And so I'm constantly actually finding myself doing that. I'm constantly finding myself as my goals get bigger, as I gain greater self-awareness, um, with greater self-awareness also means greater understanding of like, oh, I did not even know I was afraid of that thing now that I'm asking myself to do this new thing. Um, and so there's always that, I think, toggle. And because my lens um, has been so tightly woven between perfectionism, imposter syndrome, and distractionism, I find myself, it's almost like a spiral. It's like you elevate up the spiral and yet it's almost the same narrative. It's like my story to unwind and I'm getting better at unwinding it. Um, I'm getting faster at unwinding it because of what you said around this alignment of, I, I'm aligned with my truth. I'm aligned with my truth. And I think that was the essence that I got lost in my last story, but that's the essence of the last story is that the person didn't really do anything differently. They didn't, they didn't achieve anything differently. They were aligned in that moment on that Wednesday, opening the email, they were aligned with themselves. That was, I think where I was going. So, so I, I find that I'm able to align better when I've recognized the first time that um, there was a real misalignment was back in 2015. 
It was a convergence of a couple of different points in my life. Um, one point was that I had for three years been doing a um, speaker series brunch that I called Inspire Sunday Brunch. I've been doing that for three years for a group of women that were in my network. And by default, um, at the beginning of creating that, I became the speaker. I wasn't intending to be the speaker, but I became the speaker. So I had this platform of like bringing vision boarding and leadership conversations to an audience. So it was sort of already there. And I had LLC'd um, Inspire Sunday Brunch in the background, but I'd never really intended it to necessarily be a business from the start of it. So in 2015, I had this like, you know, project that I was working on. I was also very frustrated in my work. I was working, um, I was very passionate about the work I was doing, but I was, now I realize um, I was, I had outgrown the nest, but I was feeling all the things I think that people feel uh, when they're frustrated. I felt under undervalued, overworked. Um, I felt like my voice was being muted and I felt, you know, disheartened in all, all those things. At the same time, I had just finished my master's degree at Georgetown and they were offering a career development class taught by a coach. This was in 2015. And we had a pilot um, pilot course with just some ladies and the coach asked, are you your own best friend? And that question registered with my nervous system in two very distinct ways. One, I had that feeling that Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown talks about that warm, oozy feeling where you've been seen and read. It's called shame. A lot of shame. No, I do not talk to myself kind at all. And I also very quickly recognized the distinction between how I treat other people with light and love and optimism, but how inwardly I was so critical. It was like, I just, it like, like the matrix, it like all dialed in. And then I also immediately knew I want to support people in this. This is like my life's quest is to figure this out, how to support people really shift that inner narrative where they are their own best friend. So from that point, I went back to Georgetown to get my certification in coaching. And then from there, that's like chapter one of you know, coming into my own around a coach and perfectionism there, imposter syndrome, unpacking that just a bit from there, um, taking on that new skill of a coach. And then I asked myself to start a business. And oh boy, did that talk about wound? That ripped off. It was like taking Literally, it was like if my body had been smashed by a semi truck and then I had a cast on and then they took the cast off and they're like, go walk. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know like, who I am or what body I'm in. Like, what's happening? I mean, it just, it, it, it triggered every single insecurity I've ever experienced in my entire life. It just took it, it took it all and put it raw on front street. And that was when um, I also hired a coach, divinely aligned. I ran into a woman who happened to live right around the corner from me who had a business of coaching. And she seemed so confident as she talked about what she did. And all I could hear was my side bubble, you know, that imaginary cartoon bubble with my voice that was like, wah, 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 you have no 
sense of what you're doing with a business or stepping into your value or owning your worth or um, what does even a sales call mean? How do you put together a system? So it was that chapter of my life where I really began to address um, or further address the mindset piece and then also begin to really take on these other personas of CEO, of chief financial officer for my business, chief marketing officer for my business, and chief operating officer. And that's been, each of those have been its own journey. That's a bit of how I got to where I am. Thank you so much for sharing that. And isn't it amazing, Ryan, how the things that were most challenging, most detrimental become these true gems that become our life's work. Just as you shared, we have to know what it's like to not be our best friend, to recognize the true infinite power of being our own greatest source of love, companionship, support, which is what a best friend is, right? When we are not our best friend, life is tough. It's a little dark, a little, it's pretty lonely. I would say I've spent most of my life not being my own best friend. And it's because then again, as I was speaking to you earlier, you're at the whim of everything around you. And when things go wrong, you just sort of topple over. You don't have that solid core in you that says, hey, I love you unconditionally. You are my best friend. There's nothing you can do that I would abandon you or leave you. I always believe in you. I always love you, trust you. When you're in that place, you're unstoppable. But most people, again, don't think that that's possible to be your best friend because we really do develop. It's fascinating to me, this very almost enemy situation with ourselves. We're our own biggest, we are our own biggest enemies and critics a lot of the time. We really are. And I really, really, really want to go back to the question that you asked around high achievers because we are people who are looking for production. We want to be able to quantify things. And multiple times in this conversation, Whitney, you've talked about the thing, the exact thing that high achievers need to do. It's less, and I'm not saying don't do. I'm not, I mean, I'm not espousing to like not waking up at five. Like all that's fine if that makes someone feel empowered, whatever. However, it works for them. Exactly. If they're doing that and they're beating themselves up, I guarantee they're less productive than waking up at 5 a.m. and talking to themselves with the way that you just did. Mm-hmm. They're they're living a completely different life. And that was the essence of like that story of like, whether you open up the email or not, in real time, we talk to ourselves and in real time, we create our lives. Yes. So it, you can stop doing a whole lot of stuff and talk to yourself in the Whitney, the way that Whitney just modeled for us and your life will exponentially get better and doing Absolutely. so much less. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because just when yeah. you said that I visualized it's streamlining because when you're your best friend, it is, it's like you smooth out all the bumpy crevices on the side of you that keeps you getting hung up on different things. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, that person criticized me. And you're constantly slowed down and you're impeded in your progress. When you streamline and you say nothing outside of me can, can, can touch this. I am always moving forward with love, compassion, kindness, trust, belief in my infinite, complete, whole, perfect self. You are on your way. You are going to move so quickly because you don't let these little nagging things stop you. Again, I've spent most of my life with little nagging things stopping me every step of the way. So my progress has been slow in a lot of ways because I will stop 
for a week and say, I can't believe that person said that. And I take it to heart and I ruminate over it when the reality is that it meant nothing about me, but because I'm not always my own best friend, or especially in the past, I wasn't, I took it to heart. When you're your own best friend, you say, okay, hear what that person said. And then ask yourself that question. Is it true? Just because somebody says it, does that make it true? People say untrue things all the time. <laughs> Don't take it for the gospel. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the thing for your listening audience that we're both really witnessing is the transformation of that. We're both saying we did not talk to ourselves, you know, outside of we we didn't 20 years ago say we're going to meet in 20 years and talk about, you know, how, how this evolution. No, no, no. Like we've never met before this phase of our lives. And here we are talking about how we both were so unkind. And yet this inner work works. We've done our own inner work. We have, you know, every moment that we live is another opportunity to do more work. And yet we have done enough where we have recognized our own power. And at any given moment, the ability to say like, okay, self, I, we are believing some real toxic stuff, you know, at least let's acknowledge that yes. <laughs> we might not have the capacity to shift it, but let's at least acknowledge that it's there, you know, at a baseline. And that is game changing, let alone, you know, the other shifts that we've been talking about. It is absolutely possible. Yes, All, absolutely. And speaking of possible, can you share how can people really establish what you call the three C's? Because these are three components of a thriving, successful, self-connected individual who is their best friend, where they have these these qualities, but it can feel difficult. So can you explain what they are and what it means to have them? Yeah, absolutely. So the three C's are clarity and clarity really has two parts. So it is clarity around what is the desire. So often we really I don't want to, I, I actually don't want to say we don't know what we want. We may not be conscious of we want knowing consciously knowing what we want. We not, might not be owning what we want. We might be in denial of what we want. The relationship of our desires or with our desires may not be in alignment. And so it's important to get in align with alignment with what do you, what does a person want? What do you really, really want? And then that other part of the clarity is what's the fear? What does fear say about that desire? Because we can only fly as high as our fears will allow us to. And so if we get really clear on, oh, wow, I have a real fear of failing. Okay, so when I go to check my email, I'm going to need to have a conversation about there, there is failing is not an option. There is no failing. It doesn't matter what's inside the email, whether you get the job or don't get the job, just to go back to that example, you are fine. I love you. There is no failing. So it's, it's this ability to get real clear on what is the fear for step number two, which is courage. Courage is about the ability to reframe the inner conversation, which is just like I said, like, you know, okay, I, I know I have a fear of failure. I know that I want this job and I'm at this crossroads sitting here, you know, on a Wednesday at five o'clock, do I open my email? Do I not? And because I have the courage, I have the courage to fail. 
because I have the courage to be disliked by these people, because I have the courage to like myself no matter what, because I have the courage, I can now, step number three, have the confidence to take action. I can actually open the email because I talked to myself in a way with courage that said, I'm going to be fine because I'm clear on what I want. So I'm motivated and I'm also clear on what the fear is. So it's not such a boogeyman. I have like, I have tools to address it. So those three, both forward and backward, kind of like a triangle, like a trifecta, um, overlaid the trifecta of perfectionism, imposter syndrome and distractionism can be a really you know, helpful map out of that, you know, one trifecta into another. It's like a road map forward. Yes. What a fantastic map you've created for us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for sharing those. It's really powerful to have these basic key components that we can offer people, right? That really simplifies things and says, listen, here is something that you can take away that you can identify and you can begin working towards. Because people these concepts are really big, so we have to find ways to make them a little bit bite-sized, right? Something to start with, something to say, okay, I can work towards clarity. I can understand the concept of confidence. I can work on my courage. Absolutely. And those are the things within my coaching relationship that I teach people to literally to do for themselves. I, I teach people the tools for them to, because you had talked about, we can't do the work for other people, you know, people. And so what, what do coaches do? We certainly, and therapists and anyone else who's a, you know, a healer in the healing practice, we certainly cannot do the work for anyone. We provide the space and the process and the guidance um to 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 do it but um yeah absolutely those three energies are absolutely fantastic three steps that I that I teach mm -hmm. well Ryan this has been such a awesome exciting illuminating conversation thank you so much for sharing about your personal story your personal path the work that you do so valuable so beautiful you are a fantastic resource Thank you for being this presence in the world that you are and for having the courage to step out, to be your own best friend, to shift your mindset and now give others the gift of doing so themselves. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. You are a really wonderful storyteller. So thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Now, Ryan, if people would like to learn more about their work or your work or to work with you, how can they find you? Absolutely. So two things, if someone feels like I really love to get in touch with Ryan, how do I like get on her calendar? I have a complimentary discovery call that I'm happy to offer to anyone. You can find that at www.inspirebrandconsulting.com backslash gift. That's there for you as a gift. Um, and then also, if you're really just sort of interested in the mindsets that we talked about, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and distractionism, I have a quiz that gives you just some insight as to um, what each of those mindsets are. And so that can also be found at the website, www.inspirebrandconsulting.com. Fantastic. I can't wait to check out that quiz. Fun. That Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again so much, Ryan. I look forward to having you back on again soon. Thank you. I'd love that. Okay. Take care. That wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women Waken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and come back for more. 
If you'd like to connect with the Women Waken community, you can find us on Instagram at Women Waken. And if you follow Women Waken, you can get a free tarot card reading if you just send a DM. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your unique light shine into this world. Thank you.